You're listening to a sermon originally recorded by Schweitzer United Methodist Church in Springfield, Missouri. Check us out online at sumc.co. And if this sermon blessed you, be sure to share it with someone else. Thank you so much for listening. Now, on to the message. Morning. I'm Pastor Bob, and uh, I want to start out this morning by sharing with you a recent dream that I had. Now, I'm not someone that believes that all dreams are from God. I think a lot of dreams are housekeeping dreams where the mind has a way of just clearing the debris out from the day. And there are some dreams that are dark dreams. There are some dreams that are probably just bad pizza day uh, dreams that you have. And I think there's also some dreams that the evil one can, can throw at, at us. But I also believe that there are some dreams that are from God. It's fascinating when you look at Scripture how many times God speaks to people through dreams. So in this dream about a month ago, I was at an airport. And as I was sitting there waiting for my flight, there was a man that was just sitting across from me and he began to speak into my life. And I didn't know what he was saying. I still don't remember what he was saying. But as he was speaking to me, I knew that this guy was a messenger from God. I knew this guy was speaking to me from God. And in the meantime, my flight was taking off. And so I had to decide, am I going to miss my flight and keep listening to this messenger from God, or am I going to catch my plane? And I decided to miss my flight. And so as the dream was concluding, I was leaving the airport, and I was inwardly berating myself. Do you ever inwardly just berate yourself about some choices that you've made? And as I was doing that, man, I can't believe I missed my plane. God spoke to me in the dream, and God said, Bob, you've been catching flights all your life. You've been following schedules all your life. Now is the time for you to listen to me, to pay attention to me. And I think about not just my life, but your life. I think about this as a message for every one of us. That so often we can get caught up in the busyness of life. We can get caught up in all the schedules. And if life isn't hectic enough for us, what do we do? We add more things oftentimes to the schedule. And Jesus gets in our face about that. Jesus speaks to us about in in all the things that we're called to do and all the things that demand our time. He's calling us to pay attention to him. Because ultimately, that's what it means to be a Christian or a follower of Jesus. Being a Christian is not adhering to just a set of beliefs or principles. God so loved the world. He didn't send a principle. He sent a person. He sent us Jesus. And Jesus has the audacity to claim to be the Lord God. He did that 2,000 years ago, and he's still doing it today. And so what I want to invite you to is to lean in this morning as I talk about the ways in which Jesus 
called disciples back then, but how Jesus is still calling us today in the simple understanding of following him and paying attention to what he wants to do in our lives. So I want to start with the Gospel of Mark, the first chapter. And Jesus in this passage has just said, the kingdom of God is here, or the kingdom of God is near. My reign, my spirit, my presence is here. Repent. Change your ways and follow me. He says that in a very general way. And then he gets very specific to four fishermen. Let's read. So one day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them, come follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and followed him. A little farther up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's son, James and John, in a boat repairing their nets. He called them at once, and they also followed him, leaving their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men. Now, can't you just see Zebedee's mouth just drop open? (laughs) I can't believe you boys, I can't believe my sons are leaving me with the hired crew to do this work. Now, we need to understand that James and John and Peter and Andrew, they were not fishing the way Johnny Morris tells us to go fishing just for fun. They're not fishing to get away from work. This is their work. This is their vocation. This is their livelihood. They're on the clock here. This is what they do. And Jesus says, I want you to follow me. Now, this is not the first time that Jesus has spoken with them. They've had initial conversations. When you put all the Gospels and all the different uh, segments of the Gospel together, they've been speaking. They knew who Jesus was, and Jesus knew who they were. It's kind of like, I think, in our own lives. We begin to get aware of who God is. And we begin to kind of notice God. Maybe we see God in other people. And maybe we're just coming to worship, or or maybe it's just in everyday life, or or maybe it's just in the middle of driving our car somewhere, or or, or in a dream, or whatever. We just begin to become aware, yeah, I'm beginning to recognize God is present in my life. And God begins to know us. And then... All of a sudden, at some point in our journey, it's like, that's the moment. And Jesus shows up. And Jesus gets in our face. And he simply invites us, follow me. Now's the time. And we come to those points where we decide, are we going to drop the nets like James and John and Simon and Andrew or not? What does that mean? to drop the net. Does it mean we change our vocation? Not necessarily. Not usually we change what we do for a living, but it changes everything the way that we live our life. I mean, if we really have dropped our nets, if we really are following Jesus, there is a point, there's a time where it really does change. 
It changes everything. It changes why we show up for work. It, sh- it changes for who we're working. It changes the way that we see life and relate to people. It changes everything if we really have heard the voice and dropped the net. Now, <laughs> it's staggering to me that these four guys are willing to do that. Imagine they would have said to Jesus, okay, Jesus, thank you for the invitation. Maybe later. We're busy here. We're on the clock. It's so easy for us to say, when we hear the voice of God in our life, not now, later. But have you discovered how that later doesn't ever seem to come around? I mean, I'm in high school or I'm in college and I'm having fun. <laughs> later, Jesus. I'm a young adult. I enjoy my video games. I've got a career to launch. Later on, Jesus. Maybe we're, we're married. Maybe we're raising a family. We got bills to pay. We got so many things on our schedule right now. We are incredibly busy. Maybe later, Jesus. And I have discovered over the years, whether it's empty nest or moving into retirement, that once we begin that pattern and we live that way, man, it's just a way of life. Maybe later, Jesus. We're just too busy right now. Um, I wish I had a dollar for every time that people have said to me that's in retirement now since I announced my retirement in January. Bob, you're going to be so busy. You're going to have so many things to do. You're going to be busier in your retirement than you are now. And I got to tell you, I am not impressed. (laughs) I am not retiring to be busy. In fact, do you know that of the seven deadly sins, what the sin sloth means? It has very little to do with laziness. It has everything to do with being scattered and being busy about doing meaningless things rather than focusing on what we're primarily called to be and do. I don't want to be busy. And I don't think God is impressed with our busyness. In fact, if if I didn't know better, I would say that busyness is the way that we get our status. That's the way we we relate. In fact, if I didn't know better, I would say that busyness is our God. And just to get a little bit more poignant, I would say that our being busy is our way of really avoiding God. Disciples didn't say to Jesus, we're busy, or maybe later. They dropped their nets, and they followed him. Have you done that? Are you doing that? 
Is there some net that you've got to leave behind for you to follow Jesus? And maybe you have, and maybe you are, or maybe you once did, but not so much right now. Maybe that you can look back in your life, if you're really honest, and your walk with Jesus, and you can say, you know, I was really walking with Jesus then, but something happened. I don't know what it was, but something happened that got me off course. What was it? And somewhere along the line, I suspect in one word, it was something that Jesus said or was something that Jesus asked of you that was difficult and you weren't willing to do it. And so in the gospel, and I hope you're a student of the gospel, I hope you enjoy reading the scripture. And as you read through the scripture, it's such a fascinating story of how these disciples and others, not just the 12 guys, but other men and and women and crowds of people follow Jesus. But it comes to this point in the journey where, you know, Jesus has been feeding them. Jesus has been doing all these wonderful things for them. He's been doing miraculous signs. But he begins to talk about things that are difficult for them to understand. He begins to talk to them about a cross. Or he begins to talk to them about that, how he is the bread of life. And so in the words of of Jesus in the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John, Jesus says to the crowd of people that's been following him for a year or two, you want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understand the miraculous signs, but don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man, Jesus' reference for himself, can give you. So Jesus, in our walk with him, begins to move into deeper things. He begins to want to have real conversation with us about a lot of different things. And in this passage of Scripture, in the sixth chapter of, of the Gospel of John, Jesus says so many things. He says, you've got to start listening to the Father. And he says, I'm the true bread that comes down from heaven. Whoever eats of me, whoever eats my flesh, whoever drinks my blood, they'll live forever. I'm the bread of life. And so many people understand. It's documented history. People thought Christians were cannibalistic. But for those who did understand, they began to realize that Jesus was talking about something very different. He was talking about a cross. He was talking about struggles. He was talking about not focusing on all the things that he can do for us when we want him to do things for us. But to really feed on him and to rely on him and to eat of him and to know that he is the source of everything in our life. I mean, there's a point where you recognize that when you start eating Jesus, you're hungrier for more. When you are thirsty for Jesus, the living water, and you start drinking Jesus, you get thirstier. It's fascinating how that we hunger for him, he satisfies us, and yet we are never satisfied. 
because we want more. And that's a wonderful place to be. And Jesus goes on to talk about the Holy Spirit. And he says to them that the Spirit alone gives eternal life. You know, I love the Bible. But Jesus in the Bible says you search the scriptures for life and it doesn't give life. You can't eat literally words. Jesus is the word that becomes flesh. Jesus is the word of God. Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. So you can eat bread. You can taste of Jesus. You can live with Jesus. Jesus is a person. It's a real relationship. And the Holy Spirit is the presence of Jesus in our life. Human effort, Jesus says, accomplishes nothing. And so the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe in me. So Jesus begins to say some difficult things. And he begins to ask of you some tough stuff. Are you up for the challenge? Susan and I were, were visiting with a, a woman uh, this past week. Fascinating woman. She was so full of vitality and passion. She was actually working in, in, as, a, as a nurse recipient in, in a medical facility. And man, we were impressed about everything about her spirit. And she began to talk about her passion in her life. And it's tough mutter. How many of you know what tough mutter is? So, yeah, she had just gone through a tough mutter experience. And she talked about that event, how you crawl through the mud, how you wade through this water, how you scale the wall, how she was scared to death that she could really scale the wall, and yet she nailed it. And yet how that other people on the journey uh, a physically challenged military retired person and how that everyone pulls together to help them over the wall. She was fascinated with this experience and she can't wait to do it again. And I was, she was talking about this. I was thinking about the mutter, the tough mutter of following Jesus. And I thought about the times where it's been like crawling through mud and times when it's been wading through hard water. And times where you scale walls. But if you keep at it, it is so, so worth it. You know, we just have to come to this point, brothers and sisters, as disciples of Jesus. When it gets difficult, we got to decide. If we're going to go through the tough mutter of being a follower of Jesus or not. But it's challenging, and it's so worth it. In fact, we come to that point in the story where we know why it's worth it. At this point, many of the disciples turned away and stopped following Jesus. Then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked what I think is one of the saddest questions and, and a tough moment for Christ. Are you going to leave me also? And Simon Peter, bless his heart, 
says, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words. You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. And so we follow Jesus, we drop the nets, we go through the mutter, we go through difficult times, we're willing to do the difficult thing that Jesus asked us to do that we wouldn't have to do if we were following him because he's the only one that really has life. And we're beginning to experience the life that really is life. And now we jump to that final scripture we're going to look at today from Matthew 28, which sometimes is called the Great Commission. And Jesus and the disciples have been through the mutter. They've been through the trial. They've been through the crucifixion. They've been through Jesus' death. They've been through the resurrection. Jesus, the living Christ, has been appearing to them several different occasions. And now he's about to leave them again for the final time, and yet not really, not really. He says to them, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. He's about to go take his place with the Father, at the right hand of the Father. And Jesus now is reigning in full authority. But then he says this, therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations. It's like Jesus, who has this authority, is now giving us the authority. I want you to have the authority that I have. I want you to go live in that authority. Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you, all of them. And be sure of this. Be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And that's the secret, isn't it? Because once we've gone through the mutter and we've gone through some challenges, we begin to live into the authority of Christ. We begin to have the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. We begin to have confirmations along the way. This is when it really gets to be fun and worth it. And we begin to step into the authority of God. And we begin to understand why Jesus says, greater works than these will you do because I'm going to the Father. If we let Jesus really have the authority in our life. Steve Siemens says some very poignant words that challenge us when he writes that whenever we fail to proclaim the ascended Christ, enthroned and exalted, something else, our personal agendas, the world's agendas, even the church's agendas, <laughs> move in to fill this vacuum. Mark it down, Seaman says. When we fail to exalt and enthrone Jesus, something or someone else inevitably assumes the throne. And so the ultimate secret, the ultimate purpose is simply this. We bow the knee and we submit to the authority of Jesus in our life. 
And if we stopped following, we'd come back. And if there was a difficult thing, we returned to it. And we follow Christ. And we don't do it later. We do it now. There's so much more to life than keeping schedules. There's so much more to life than being entertained or amusing ourselves. There's so much more to life than catching flights or staying busy. It's giving Christ his rightful place in our life. And when he says, follow me, we say yes. This morning as our band is coming and we're going to go into a time of Holy Communion, this is a wonderful opportunity for us to say yes. We are reminded that in Jesus Christ, all the promises of God are yes. All the promises. All the forgiveness. All the mercy. All the strength. All the power that is needed. They're all yes in Christ Jesus. We got Jesus, and Jesus has got us. We have everything we need, and we are then empowered to live as his follower in this world. Thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for sending the Spirit to us, and that the Spirit is the one that gives life. Thank you for the spirit that is in this bread and cup. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the bread of life, the true bread of life that comes down from heaven. And when we eat of you and we drink of you, we sup, we enjoy you, we have fellowship with you and one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. So as we share together in this meal, Jesus, we acknowledge your Lordship. We hear your voice. And when you say follow, we say yes. Amen. So all are invited to the table this morning. You don't have to be a member of the church. You simply want to follow Jesus. So come near with faith and take this sacrament. As the servers come forward, you will please come and receive communion. You can dip the bread in the cup. You can kneel at the prayer rail. You can just enter into a rich time of worship. Gluten-free is available at that table for those who need it. Jesus is the true bread that comes down from heaven. Eat. Eat.